Good morning, sleep-in service. Always great to see you. Just so you know, we have completely scoured the building for radical spiders who attack pastors. If you were here last week, we had an interesting deal. Thanks to everybody in the first two rows that didn't freak out. I appreciate that. I want to say happy Mother's Day to everybody that's in the room today, specifically the mother of my children. Her name is Laurel, the most amazing wife in the world, and uh, it's a great thing to be able to celebrate that kind of thing. So happy Mother's Day, sweetie. Good to have you with me. And uh, yeah, and clap for my wife. That'd be good. Awesome. Had to pick up a few things from Target last week, and I got to watch an interesting slice of humanity. There was a young mom there with a baby who was also trying to wrangle two twins down a particular aisle and also manage a cart full of stuff at the same time. The, the baby was crying, and the, and the twins were creating chaos and mayhem. And as a parent, I had deep empathy because the two little kids had escaped from the cart otherwise known as a mobile prison in a shopping uh, mall. And they had, they had somehow escaped, and they were working their way up and down the aisle. And every time their mom would try to take a step near them, they would reach over and pull stuff down off the shelf and then step away. So they were emptying the shelves of merchandise, and I'm watching this mom just come so close to the edge of losing it, because every time it was a verbal warning or a step, more stuff came down, and then they would step back. And so I just kind of strategically placed myself at the end of the aisle, because someone had to stop those demon children. They needed to be stopped, they needed to be corralled, and because I believe parents at some level all need to unite against the anarchy of those narcissistic little savages. I mean, right? Like, something had to happen. I just kind of blocked him in until she could grab him, put him back in the mobile prison. And what struck me was what the mom said to herself as she was walking away. I will not lose it. It's not that bad. I'm fine. <laughs> I will not lose it. It's not that bad. I'm fine. Have you ever found yourself talking to yourself that way, trying to back yourself off a cliff? I mean, life has overwhelmed you, and, and you think you're fine, but basically you end up saying, you know, like, I'm fine. Twitch, it's not that bad. Twitch, I can handle it. Twitch, nobody's watching. Everything is good, right? We're doing a short little series called Survival Mode before we jump into the book of Revelation for June, July, and August. You can pray. I'm freaking out already. But last week, we defined survival mode as this. It's a season of life when all of your effort is just dedicated to personal survival. You're not worried about Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You just want to get through Sunday. If I can survive these 24 hours, then I'm going to be fine. It's the focused, determined, driven exertion of your energy just to get through the demands at hand. You don't care about the extra. I just want to get through what's right in front of me. Last week, we talked about our basic survival needs and how spiritually God has already provided everything we need. It's right in front of us, and he invites us to breathe the breath of life, to drink living water, to eat the bread of life, to come under the shelter and the protection of God, and to take Jesus up on his offer and his invitation when he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, in Psalm chapter 42, David, the king of Israel, is in full-on survival mode. He is absolutely overwhelmed with life, so he starts talking to himself, and it turns into a song. Maybe you've done that. Have you ever listened to your inner dialogue of what actually happens inside of your head? I mean, the Bible says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what comes out of your mouth, it really is a reflection of what's happening in your heart. How's that work for you when you're completely overwhelmed? I mean, I've heard myself say some unbelievable things. Well, David is talking to himself, and he writes what is known in Scripture as a maskil, okay? A maskil is a song with deep meaning. 
It's, it's not fluff. It's not like just a couple of lines that just happen to rhyme. It's deep meaning. It's deep meaning for the writer and deep write, meaning for the listener. So when I read Psalm 42, I see deep meaning for the overwhelmed mom, the chronically ill, the tired student, the despairing business person, person, the poor, the rich. In fact, let's just put it under the category of human for this morning, all right? David starts by saying this. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. David starts with a confession. I'm thirsty. I am tired. I wish David could have been here last week when we were able to introduce Jesus as, as the living water. But Jesus lived in a time, or David lived in a time of history before Jesus, so he didn't know that part yet. I love that David is not in denial about his spiritual condition. This guy has been running long and hard in a very dry season. So this is his reality. David admits that he's thirsty for God. You know, living beyond survival mode actually starts with an admission or a confession that you're actually in survival mode now. And I want to tell you something. This is what I love about this church. Here at Christ the King, it's okay to not be okay. In fact, we would rather you be honest about your spiritual condition than live in the denial that so many people live in over and over and over again. It's authentic. It's real. And David says, I'm thirsty, spiritually parched. When we were in Israel, we went into the Judean wilderness. We were down on the shores of the Sea of Galilee where it's beautiful and cool and, and, and gorgeous. And then you drive just a few minutes away up into this area known as the Judean wilderness. There, there are, there's three elements, heat, rocks, and sand. That's all you've got in that area and David spent a lot of time there hiding out from his arch enemy, King Saul. And while we were driving back and forth on these little switchbacks, I noticed standing on the side of the road were these little tiny deer, just little guys, standing on the top of the rocks, kind of perched around. Our guide, Sam, told us, he goes, those are the most unique deer in the world. He goes, they can live off of these bramble bushes, which is the only thing that grows out there. And their throat and their mouth has been designed perfectly so that they can actually eat these thorns and swallow them and it doesn't hurt them at all. Their stomachs were, were, were custom designed to be able to pull not only nutrition out of these bramble bushes, but hydration outside of these bramble bushes. And it was amazing because every time I saw these little deer, I would laugh to myself because their tongues were always hanging out the side of their mouth. And their little sides were going in and out, just like... <laughs> As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, Oh God, David's saying, my soul is parched. And he goes on, he asks a question. When can I go and meet with God? Now David's obviously got another confession here. It's been a while. Because he's asking, when can I actually go? Somewhere along the line, life got hard for David. And he practiced what I call Frank Sinatra theology. I did it my way. And he ended up isolated and off on his own in survival mode. Now all of a sudden he realizes he needs to come back. So David admits he's got a spiritual need for connection. We all have a spiritual need for connection. David realizes, can't do this on my own. I need other people to surround me. And more than that, I need God's help. And then he continues with a raw confession. Verse 3. You want to talk about honesty? Here it comes. My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? That is a gut-wrenching statement, isn't it? The taste of my tears is the only thing I recall as nourishing my soul right now. If you have ever been there, you know exactly what David is talking about. David admits his broken heart has created a spiritual crisis. And now he's asking a question. 
And it's not helped by the fact that his question is also being asked by all of these people that are surrounding him going, David, you seem to be having a bit of a hard season right now. Where'd your God go? Where did your God go? Can I say this to you? If you've ever asked that question, where in the world is God? You're normal. You're normal. Where's God when the pain is too much? Where's God when I need a miracle? Where is God when life doesn't make sense? Those are good questions. And David's going to walk us through them. Listen as he keeps going. Verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Apparently David's got another confession here. It's been a while. At some point he said, I stopped going. I stopped connecting with God because it just got too much for me. And I'm sure David had a whole list of reasons because we always have a list of reasons why we disconnect, don't we? Life just got too hard. Life just got too busy. I thought I could do it on my own. I got ticked off. The hypocrisy just drove me away. David admits it's been a while since he engaged with God. I want to remind you of something. The Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. So apparently, it's okay for people after God's own heart to have seasons when they struggle. Isn't that good news for us? It's okay to struggle sometimes. Now David gets personal, and he really starts talking to himself. Listen to verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? I love those questions. It's like, you can ask yourself, why am I having such a bad day? Why is this so difficult on this Sunday? Why is my brain so foggy? Why does my body feel so weird? Why in the world am I in this place at this particular time? Some of your translations actually don't say the word downcast. In some of your translations, it says, why my soul are you so despair? Why is there so much despair inside of you? Now, here's where it gets beautiful. The word in Hebrew for despair is the word shakah. It literally means to be wrapped up in a ball, laying flat on the ground. You know what David's saying? My life is so bad, I'm in the fetal position. Any moms in the room ever gotten to that place? Right, just too many diapers, too much formula, too much of this, too much of that, twins running in the aisle, declaring anarchy and target. I mean, it's just like, I'm just going to tuck up, I'm going to turtle and pray that it goes fast, right? Shakah means to be bowed down low, to be in the, in the fetal position. That word is also used in one other place in Scripture. The Hebrew word shakah also means to prostrate yourself, to lay down flat on the ground when you're overwhelmed by God's presence in a place of worship. Isn't that interesting? When we are low and tucked in the fetal position, God says the answer is to actually just alternate your body just enough so you're face down so that you can worship because that's when God draws near. It's so important. Listen to David next. He goes, he's talking to himself again. Put your hope in God. For yet I will praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mizar. What's happening here? Let me just break it down for you, okay? David asks an honest question. Why am I this way? And then he pleads with his own soul to remember God's track record. Just thinking back 
just over the last couple of days, over the challenges that Laurel and I faced over the years. No, no different than anybody else's challenges, but challenges nonetheless. And I'm always amazed that what sustained us through those really dark moments is this little light that shines into the valley of the shadow of death. And that little tiny light is God's amazing track record and his faithfulness. And we're so quick to forget about his faithfulness, right? We just, you know, one issue, one problem comes along. And what's our automatic question? Where in the world did God go? And we forget to actually stop in that moment, turn around and look back over the history of our lives and to look for the fingerprints of God every time he saved you. Do do we realize as a church that some of us are only here because in those despairing moments of our life, God stepped in and saved us when we couldn't save ourselves? We're so quick to forget God's faithfulness. And let me tell you why. When we're in survival mode, we count our blessings on our fingers and our problems with a high-speed calculator. Think about that. When we're in survival mode, it's like, well... I think God loves me. That's a blessing. My wife loves me. There's two. And I got two kids. That's it. That's it. That's all I got. And then we go, but you want to talk about problems? I'll talk about problems. Oh my goodness, I got this going on. I got this going on. I got to carry the seven and add this a little bit. Look at that really big number worth of problems. You know, it's amazing to me. The simplicity of how sometimes God talks to us. Do you, I mean, do we realize that a rubber band is only successful when you stretch it? Do we understand that a tea kettle only sings when it's up to its neck in hot water? Do we understand that when you're in a fire, the God of our Bible doesn't send somebody else to try and help us out? He actually steps into the fire himself and reveals himself as a God that's not afraid to get his hands dirty inside of our level of humanity. If you don't know that story, you should read your Bible. It's really, really good. God just keeps showing up, and David just, I've got I've to remember that God is faithful over so many years in so many ways. David continues, verse 7, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All of your waves and breakers have swept over me. By the day, the Lord directs his love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. That's an interesting phrase, right? You probably haven't heard that before. Deep calls to deep. What does that mean? It means you may have walked in here today experiencing a deep need. Can I tell you something? Your need is overmatched with God's resources. Your deep pain is overmatched by God's love. Your deep questions are overmatched by His deep existence. Your deep thoughts, they are overmatched by His deep wisdom. Your deep mood, however deep it may be today, is completely overmatched by God's deep joy. I mean, listen to these words from David. He explored the depth of God in Psalm 139. Not going to be on the screens, not going to be in your outline. Just listen to these words and let them kind of sweep over top of you. David said, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know every time I sit up and when I sit down, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. Before a tongue is, a word is even on my tongue, you, O Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind me and before me. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. 
Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go down into the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will always hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days that were ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious of me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the graves, grains of sand. What's David saying? All those words. David reflects that the depth of his need is matched by the depth of God's love. And that same love is available to each and every one of us today. Let's keep going. Two more little pieces. So David has a moment, a pretty good moment. He gets himself to a good place. Put your hope and trust in God, and then he relapses. Apparently, that's a part of the human condition. Because in verse 9, he slips right back. Verse number 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes, foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Here's what David's saying here. He's like, God, I'm tired of people picking on me. Why is everybody ganging up on me? They're kicking me while I'm down. Why have you forgotten me? Do we realize that Jesus asked exactly the same question? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do we understand the answer to that question? It's so you and I would have an opportunity to live eternally. That's why. That's why God the Father turned his back on his son because he could no longer look at how his perfect son had taken on every single one of our sins in order to wash us as white as snow. Why have you forgotten me? Then this is what David does. He acknowledges his enemy to his shield and his defender. You know, I've learned a few things about enemies over the years. Truthfully, I have one mortal enemy. His name is Satan. That's just reality for all of us, right? There are not very many people in this room that are in fear of their mortal lives. Now, there may be one or two. I understand that. And my prayer is that you will always find a safe place here at Christ the King. But as soon as we hear that, yeah, I got enemies, we start making a list in our brain, don't we? Oh, that person's an enemy, and that person's an enemy, and that person's an enemy, and that person's an enemy. And we forget that the whole purpose of the devil forcing us into survival mode is so that we'll begin to focus on all the people that are against us instead of focusing on all the people and the God that's actually for us. The reality is this, that irritating person at work that drives you crazy, they're not your enemy. They're just an irritating person at work that drives you crazy, all right? They're not your enemy. They may be a victim of the enemy, but they're not your enemy. And here's the problem. We start naming all of our enemies to everybody else except for God. There's a, there's a problem with that. It's called sin. Gossip and slander, not allowed, according to the book, right? David actually is allowed to do this because he's bringing his enemies before God. And he actually has, actually has mortal enemies. I mean, let's just be honest, right? 
when it comes to the list of mortal enemies, our list is probably pretty short, right? But I want to encourage you with something, all right? So many of us, when we talk enemies, we think who? In our modern day society, think what? What is the enemy that has forced you into survival mode? How about busyness? We realize that can force us into survival mode, right? You've heard me say this before. You're going to hear me say it again. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. How about apathy? You just don't care anymore. How about chaos? Instead of stepping into God's peace and and providing forgiveness and covering for people, we just enter into the chaos around us. How about the ungodly choices that we make and then blame shift them? That must be God's fault for doing that. How about the pursuit of money? I mean, David is modeling for us here. Lay it out in front of God. Name those enemies and then ask God to deal with them. We need to wrap this up. Verse 11. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Has anybody else noticed that Psalm 42 is a bit of a bummer? It's kind of like, thanks for doing this on Mother's Day, right? Everybody's going to need a little help when we're done. Aren't you glad you came to church, right? It's kind of down. David's asking him, why are you so disturbed within me? Now he's going to turn a corner. Underline this next section in your outline. Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. David asks a simple question. Why are you so downcast? Why so disturbed? And then he points himself in the right direction. Yet I will praise Him. Even though I feel like I can barely make it through the next 24 hours, yet I will praise Him. Why will I praise him? I will praise him because he is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Before there was survival mode, he actually had created a way to be able to get through the valley of the shadow of death. And he actually said, not only will I get you through it, I'll go with you. I will walk you through that. That's what allows us to be able to praise him even when we feel like we're completely locked in. I mean, all through the passage, David keeps identifying the lies that will keep you in survival mode. Here are the lies. You're alone and isolated. You're defenseless and helpless. You're surrounded by darkness and doubt. Those are the lies that the enemy of our soul wants us to believe. But here's the truth that the God of eternity wants the people of Christ the King to fully embrace. You are never alone. He is with you. You are never without defense. Have you ever considered the size of God's shield? Oh my goodness. You are never without hope. Because God is the God of hope. It seems so simple. You almost miss it, right? Put your hope and trust in God. Put your hope and trust in God. I was blessed with a mom who did that. I know for some of you, it was probably a little difficult to hear Todd talk about his mom because that was not your experience. I hope you heard his admonishment at the end that maybe today is the day you just need to forgive. I was blessed with a mom who put her hope in God. She needed God to make it through the challenge of raising me. Of that I have absolutely no doubt. I am absolutely convinced every silver hair on her head is my fault. I probably put it there. I'm sure there were moments when my actions and questions just drove her to a dark place. 
I wonder if there were moments when she had to give herself a pep talk to not violate one of those commandments that as parents we never say we're going to violate that whole murder thing. But, you know, we all think it, don't we? You know you do, all right? I'm sure there were moments when she just felt like giving up and surrendering to the darkness around her. I'm sure there were moments when she felt ignored by God and by the kids who were raising her. I'm sure there were moments in the midst of the violin lessons and the crazy schedules and the baseball games and just normal teenage angst that she went into survival mode without even wanting to. But my sister and I probably pushed her there. And I will make Karen own her part because that's just right, okay? I'm just saying. You know what I'm thankful for today is that her hope was in God. That's what sustained her. See, the answer to survival mode hasn't changed. I know it seems simple. Put your hope and trust in God. I'll say it again. Put your hope and trust in God. Sometimes you have to say that to your own soul. Put your hope and trust in God. Would you say it with me? Put your hope and your trust in God. You know what that does? It allows you to replace. I will not lose it. It's not that bad. I'm fine. Twitch. I will not lose it. It's not that bad of fun. It allows you to replace that with, I will put my hope and trust in God. Why would I want to do that? It's pretty simple. When I'm in survival mode, my hope pretty much depends on me. When I'm living the life that God created for me, my hope ultimately is in Him. And the depth of my need is dwarfed by the depth of his love. So here's what we're going to do. In a few moments, we're going to pray, and then we're going to bring the service to conclusion. It would just seem irresponsible to me to talk about survival mode in our context where we're so blessed and not try to look after the survival of other people around the world. I've been to the Ambassador Children's Home in India. I love those kids. They have lived through unbelievable persecution and pain like none of us will ever probably experience on this side of this blessed world. But they have such a simple faith. They have such a beautiful expression. The one thing that sticks out in my mind about visiting that home is when all of those kids sang for us. Had hardly any food, a polluted source of water, but they sang. You know why? because their hope and their trust was in God. Now we have an opportunity to give them a clean water source. And my hope and prayer is that all of us will be so motivated by this that we'll have an opportunity to give to the God who is exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or even imagine. I'm asking you to create a problem for us. Give us the problem of having tried to figure out what the extra projects are gonna be. So here's an opportunity for us that have been blessed to be a blessing. And my hope and prayer is that we'll step up big time and touch these kids on the other side of the world because their survival is literally at stake because of that well. Would you pray with me this morning as we close? God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the moms in the room. Father, I thank you for David's honesty. And I pray that each one of us will step out of this place today and whisper under our breath, I will put my hope and trust in God. Father, thank you for being the sustainer of all. Thank you that your deep is so much deeper than ours. 
Father, we have a dream of, dwell, uh, uh, of drilling a well 300 feet into the ground so a group of children can have clean, safe drinking water. Lord, would you prompt us as the recipients of the living water of Jesus to so want to look after the survival of people on the other side of the world. So, Father, we give this to you as an offering of worship. Father, I pray for all those who may be here today that would have to admit, I'm in full-on survival mode. I'm just trying to make it through today. Father, I pray that today they would follow David's example and talk to their own soul and say, I will put my hope and trust in the Lord. And we pray these things in the beautiful name of Jesus, who has given us everything that we need to survive with all of our praise and all of our glory and all God's people said, amen.